Welcome to Responsibility Revolution. This is Vincent Castellanos. Responsibility Revolution is taking responsibility for all things you. No one is responsible for your well-being. You are. So today is the first Monday in March, and um, we started a new tradition on the first Monday of every month of doing responsible conversations, which is usually an interview that I do with an individual. And in today's episode, we're interviewing Daniel Best. Now, this interview was recorded about two months ago, prior to the pandemic crises that we're under. So that is the reason why you're not going to hear any mention of the coronavirus during the interview. However, this interview is vital to one of the tools that we can use during this difficult time because Daniel will be talking about meditation and the different ways in which you can engage in meditation, which has proven to be for me and for him and for many others really, really useful. So here is that interview with Daniel Bess. Daniel Bass is an actor working professionally in the industry since 1999 with a long list of credits that you can find on IMDb, as well as a landlord and a real estate developer, and he is currently attending school to get his license in marriage and family therapy. And also, let's not forget that he's a husband and a father of a one-and-a-half-year-old son, so he's a really busy guy, um, so we thank him for being here with us today. Also, Daniel has had a meditation practice for 13 years that has culminated recently in taking daily intentional vows of non-harm and non-negotiable everyday Buddhist meditation practice, which we'll definitely talk about. So today we're talking to Daniel about how he got involved in meditation and his journey through it as part of taking responsibility for himself. So Daniel, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you ended up meditating? How did you get to meditation? First, it was all theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> so I was attracted to spirituality, but I couldn't get on board with the idea of a magical God or like a being. Or, um, but there was so much when I would read Jesus's words I would be inspired by certain things he said. But then when I started really uh, studying Buddhism, that was the first time I thought, oh, there was a doorway here to where the magic of whatever spirituality is that we can't define and science can coexist. Hmm. And so it opened my mind to the possibility of that magic without it being, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know quite how to put it, but... It's something that I could, I could, my mental thinking could accept, but still open the door for the magic of spirituality. Um, but the problem was it was theoretical. Mm. <laughs> so every time I would try to meditate, I'd go to, um, I'd go to some temples. And um, at the time, I was still a very active alcoholic and mm -hmm. a drug user. So I'd go to these temples in the morning before I'd had couple I hadn't started drinking yet <laughs> my 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 real day had not begun <laughs> and I go and um I I think I, for, I can't remember which of my friends had said it that it was like a fire at the zoo hmm. in my head just the elephants and the monk everybody's screaming just unbearable 
And now you're talking about like in when my you're head when I'm trying to meditate. When you're trying to meditate is like a fire at the zoo. I love that yeah. image because <laughs> all the animals, them, are the animals are running wild. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I wish I could say I had this, you know. And I tried yoga. I tried all these different things, and I I had I truly did have spiritual experiences on psychedelics, but in the end, all my psychedelic experience, psychedelic drugs, I'm talking about. In the end, it still ended with this struggling with this unhappiness. It didn't, it didn't open the door to more and more and more mm -hmm. uh, joy in my life. So it wasn't until I found sobriety and worked through a lot of uh, just the addiction part that there was a little bit of space to then finally not explode when I closed my eyes and tried to breathe for five minutes. <laughs> Do you find that uh, the connection between stopping drinking and meditating in the sense of like your mind quieting versus the fire at the zoo happened right away? It just made it a little, it was still, there was still a, a light fire at the zoo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was still like, it was still craziness. It's just, I was at least dealing with, um, I wasn't actively behaving in really self-destructive behaviors anymore. So it gave me a chance to awaken. It was not easy at first and it wasn't consistent, which was the biggest problem for me. Yeah, we hear a lot about uh, about that with people that are starting meditation. Can you talk a little bit about what was it that was difficult for you at first? The once again the the continual onslaught of thought. Thing that I struggle with is what I constantly hear from my friends um, who want want because they know I meditate a lot, and certain certain of them who've known me long enough has seen a real change in how I behave. And they're like, so what do you do? Well, they, and they always say, well, I can't meditate. So I like, you know, I sit in the jacuzzi for like 30 minutes or like I hear this all the time, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> and the notion that you can't shut the fuck up for five minutes and try to breathe is really sad. You know, it's just really. And I think on one hand, maybe it's just fear that you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I think for certain of my friends, it's an excuse to not even try. This is very um, interesting. So you're saying that the notion that you can't shut up for five minutes and just breathe is sad. Or try to breathe. It's sad. Or it's so sad to me that we're unwilling, like this whole podcast idea, I love so much because it's taking responsibility for everything that exists right now in us. If you don't have the ability to sit with what is for five minutes a day, and I'm not asking you to do it for an hour or 30 minutes, I mean, and I mean you, I, don't, I, I mean people who come to me and ask me how to meditate. It's just five minutes a day. That's it. And um, that's where it starts. And then there's so many different techniques that I've learned to then address so many different things for when my body's just tired and I've been working all day in front of a computer and I just, and I do a body scan and I just lock into my body and I come out of it 30 minutes later like I've had a massage and a nap, but a good nap, not where you're groggy afterwards. <laughs> like a, you know, it's, it's like a miracle. And I've had things where you deal with self hatred and, and, and resentment yeah. and how to come in and almost be your own therapist and tell you tell yourself these kind loving thoughts I and for me I needed guided meditation I needed to be with teachers uh, that I could look in the eyes and realize that they weren't full of BS or listen to them that I could I, I, I intuitively trusted them and then they could guide me through five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes to start yeah, so yeah, so yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that because for the people that are listening that are new to meditation, I want you to share with us, how did you start? What did you do at the very beginning? I started with my teacher's teacher, 
who's a very famous, um, Jack Kornfield, he's a very famous uh, Buddhist uh, teacher in America. He started uh, the Spirit Rock Foundation um, up in Marin County, which has all these silent retreats. It's a big Buddhist. Uh, they have two temples now. And it's part of a greater IMS Insight Meditation Society, which brought Theravadan Buddhism, uh, a number of them, Sharon Salzberg, a whole bunch of them. They went to Burma, Thailand, and they became monks. They took on the robe and they came back. But upon returning, <laughs> what they realized is walking around with these robes with your, your bowl out <laughs> for rice, nobody knows how to do that here. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. And so what these, these amazing teachers have brought to the West is how, to, how do you be married and still be a Buddhist? How do you raise children? How do you try to make money? Exactly, because it's, it's the point of meditation to walk around the earth offering rice, or is the point of meditation, what is the point of meditation for you? So my practice now is such that like I'll catch myself choking up with tears almost daily. I don't know quite how to put it, the visceral experience of like joy and gratitude of the, just the sunshine on your face, the, the wind on a hot day, the, you know has gotten so much deeper the more I do this. And I wasn't even looking to do that. I was just trying to calm my mind mm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it sounds to me like what you're describing is that you're now a guy who is able to not miss his life. Right. Tap into it in the way that makes you emotional just tells me that you're a guy who's really, really present in his body, in his life, in the moment, which I believe is the point of all of this that we're doing. But it's, this is all bonus. This is ice cream. Like, I was not expecting to walk around and on a daily, and I never know when it comes, but because the more my practice has gotten steadier, all of a sudden these moments of just like ecstasy just come through me and I get choked up with gratitude. That's just cherry on top. Like to start, I just wanted to not feel crazy when I close my eyes for five minutes. How long before you stop <laughs> being crazy? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That, a lot of us want that too. How long? Daniel, and, how and, and I will say I still am. Okay, we're Sometimes. Get, there, yeah. There'll be an hour, two hours, maybe an entire day where I'm just, my head is going crazy. Right. That's the human condition, that isn't it? Sometimes. Right. And sometimes I have days of bliss, you know. My question to you, Daniel, my question is, is the point of meditation to shut the mind? No. There, uh, every teacher I've ever taught under, uh, my teacher's teacher who I've sat with um, did years and years, like a, a year of silence, a couple, I think three months alone in a hut, you know, took the robe, took vows of celibacy, the whole deal. He has talked about the inability to stop all thought. That thoughts will still happen. You, they, in, in Buddhism, they call it training the mind. You can train the mind, but the mind still is the mind. It's like a, a dog. You can train a dog, but the dog's still going to be a dog. You know, And its job is to figure things out. And it has a all science is proving this. It has a complete negativity bias. It is geared for survival. We used to live only up to about 40 years, if we were lucky. So it's about procreating, surviving long enough to create the next, to create the human's <laughs> existence right. to keep going. So every, you know, we would see uh, uh, a tiger or this, we remember fear, 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 all the bad stuff, got to remember anything that can kill us, and the good stuff, whatever, just keeps surviving. But now we live in a place, we walk in and there's like 500 kinds of cereal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different... And we live till 80, 90, if we're lucky. 
So if the point of meditation is not to shut down the mind, which I agree with you because I meditate myself, I want you to share with us a little bit about what do I get from meditation then? It depends how far you're willing to go. Um, just uh, the guy who created the Headspace app, he, mm -hmm. was a, he used to be a Buddhist monk, and I think he's still very much a, a meditation teacher. I'm not sure if he's a full committed monk, but he was approached and he created this app to teach people just to meditate a few minutes a day. And he was he talks about being really pessimistic about that this would have much effect because he gets a guy who does like hour and a half a day. And he's blown away, he said, but on a daily basis, he gets all these emails and, and how much this has changed people's lives, just a few minutes a day. So that can work. But the deeper things that I've learned now, especially with the heart practices, to deal with really tricky and really bad emotions, that is where now I can save myself a couple, like five grand a year in therapy bills because I can go in now when I'm really hurt and go in. And this is the real turning point in my meditation practice because I had one and I learned to calm my mind. Mm -hmm. But I still dealt with a lot of self-hatred and a lot of things that were really not letting my heart be free. Right. And these heart practices that, that are taught through Buddhism really are much more creative. It's not just going back to the breath, trying not to think, which is, I, I never try not to think. It's just when I'm aware that I am thinking, I go back to the breath. I want to read a couple of things that I read in your bio, which I want to talk to you. I want you to talk yeah. to us about. One is you wrote awareness and full responsibility for how to deal with my thoughts and feelings around everything that happens to me are the focus of my practice. Right. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? Every time I sit my butt down, usually on a chair, I don't, I can't do the cushions. My, my, my knees hurt. I lose. You can do it however you want. And there's a, one of the body scan Buddhist practice, you lie down. And if you fall asleep for a few minutes, who cares? There's a, there's a bunch of different ways. There's, if you have a bad back, you can do it lying down with like just your hands up facing each other just so you don't fall asleep. There's, there's no reason not to be able to just because of physical pain. Um, but really the, start with whatever is happening in my body right now. Right now, I'm closing my eyes for those of you on the podcast, Gailis. I feel a little nervous because I'm talking about meditation and I know I'm being recorded. I'm feeling some, uh, my throat's a little tight, you know, like literally going in with and, and following the thoughts. And the key is for, especially for newcomers, this notion that like, oh, oh fuck, I'm thinking again. Oh, oh. and then, no, it's the opposite. It's awareness. Oh, I'm thinking, oh, I just woke up a moment of enlightenment. It's a, a, it's the greatest blessing in the world to realize your thinking because you can go back to your body, back to your breath. Oh, a moment of enlightenment. Then the brain goes and does what the brain does. Start planning about, oh, I got a date coming up. I got to do this. I got to go. I want to buy this new cool shirt, look really cute, <laughs> blah, 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 or whatever it is, you know. And then, oh, I'm thinking about that again. Instead of like, oh, God damn it, I think it's, oh, all right, I'm thinking. Oh, here I am. And, and I know one meditator who, even though he's Buddhist, he likes the God word, and he doesn't think of it as like a magic being. Mm -hmm. But every time he realizes he's thinking, and he goes back to the breath, he goes, oh, hey, God. <sighs> it's so amazing, because what yeah. I hear from you is this 
it's a combination of accept awareness and acceptance of everything that is. That and in is. this case, the thoughts going through my mind. Because so much of what you hear when people talk about meditation is like, don't follow the thought, don't follow the thought. But you rarely hear acknowledge the thought. You need to follow it, Accept but acknowledge it, fully. it. Exactly, exactly. And, and a lot of Buddhist meditation teachers will be like, you can do a light label. Don't get too crazy with it. But like, oh, resentment. Oh, fantasy. Oh, sexual thought. Oh, this. Oh, worrying. Oh, regretting the past. You know, just to, just to kind of keep a vague like inventory of where your mind's residing at as you keep coming back to the moment, back to the body, back to the breath. Do you know, Daniel, something that's coming to me now as I'm talking to you and sort of like with my own experience, I've grown to see the thoughts that come through in meditation for me as kind of like information that I need to have that is coming forth. Yeah. So does that resonate with you? Is that something that you tap yeah, into? Yeah, I mean, or? sometimes something appears. Um sometimes it's very clear what I need to be doing. And that's where like the heart practices and I can guide people the easiest for free online, easy ways to practice these heart practices, which are a little more, they're almost like prayer. I would say they, they, they you know, we only hear prayer in, in regards to Christianity, but all Buddhists, they call it meta meditations, but they're really prayer. And so a lot of times, um, let's say I'm, I got rejected at a big job thing and I'm feeling like a loser, and I'm starting all day long. I'm thinking about like, oh, and this time, that 10 years ago when I had that big opportunity, I blew that, and then that girl cheated on me, blah, 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 blah you know, and, the, and I start building the case against myself about why I don't deserve to be happy or exist, you know, which is really underlying it all. Um, That's a and, great... And so just going to the breath doesn't fix that. So the heart practices are where I really have yes. a way to get creative with meditation, which is where it gets really fun. Yeah, it's funny because what the, the next thing that I wanted to read that you said that got my attention, and you talk about heart practices for self-hatred, jealousy, shame, and anger, and body practices for depressive exhaustion and overthinking. I love that, and I want to know more about that. <laughs> okay, great. So what I practice is Theravada Buddhism, uh, specifically called Vipassana, which just means insight meditation, and it's a strain of Buddhism. There's a few different strains. There's Zen, there's this, there's that, Tibetan. Uh, but they all have these practices within all of them. The heart practices, there's four of them. Compassion, loving kindness, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And I'm taught by my teacher's teacher, by my teacher. Um, and they both have a ton of guided ones that I follow. And then now I'm able to teach, like guide myself, basically. But I still sometimes need that inspiration when I'm really feeling down. And, I, and I'll still follow with them. Um, so loving kindness is, was the key for me. Cause for me, it's not about there's, there's people who like want to kill everybody else. And I don't mean literally just like, <laughs> you, 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 you. And there's other people that are like, Oh, I'm the worst on this. I'm this terrible. And they go at themselves. I'm the pro I'm the kind of guy that's prone to beating up myself. So with these heart practices, we're told these sayings and you can adjust them however you want. But for me, the ones I use are, may I be filled with love and kindness. May I be well in body and mind. May I be free from inward and outward danger. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy, truly happy and free. Now, when I first started these, it was like talking to a brick wall. It just felt like I was just, it felt so cold and it didn't do anything to me. And what I was encouraged to do 
what you're often encouraged to do by many teachers is if you can't do it to yourself, imagine yourself as a child. Like you close your eyes and you imagine yourself a picture or an image in your head of yourself as a child that makes you like wanna that makes you feel some tenderness where you see that kid and you're like oh I love that kid and they say five seven for me I had to go back to two and a half because I have a picture in my head of a two and a half year old and I just want to play with them hug the crap out of them you know and so they say imagine yourself as that but I couldn't even do that I had to imagine myself holding him like in my lap because I I couldn't even it, it, I was so far away from that. So I would do these and slowly, especially with my teacher who's had a much rougher life than I've ever had. His name is Vinny Ferraro and you can go to his website and he has his guided practices. He has one for breath, one for loving kindness and one for compassion free. Anytime, try him out. Um, but you can hear in his voice what he's gone through to get where he is and I know his personal journey and it's, it, he's one of the most loving men I've ever met but he's also like, you know, He's been through it. And so I would be guided by men like this and women. And I just trusted them. And I went there and I would bawl my eyes. I started to bawl my eyes out because deep underneath there was this like self-hatred. And I was able to like love this kid. And then I could slowly work my way up to me. And I would literally, for me, it got really, really out there because I'd be like literally sitting with myself in 11th grade and like, fifth sixth grade when he didn't have any friends and I'd be sitting with me at 13 when the girl I asked out first girl I ever asked out laughed at me hysterically on the phone you know and then I'd be with me at 15 and then as you know at these times and it was funny and I'd tell them and then a lot of times I'd like hold them and tell them these kind things but then when I got up to like my 24 year old self he would wrestle me to the ground like I I, I would almost have to put him in a jujitsu uh, <laughs> jujitsu chokehold to tell him these loving kindness things it was very you know and then now I can do it for myself. And sometimes I'll envision that child and he's making, like sticking his tongue out at me. He, I need the lightning. He's great. Yeah, I, I, uh, I need I, to lighten up. Yeah, I've had a similar journey in therapy, actually three years of therapy with Arlene Drake about sort of like reconciling with your little Vincent and teenage Vincent, which yeah. was like a handful. And to me, the reason why this whole thing is happening, why I did Responsibility Revolution, why all of this is exactly that, is to heal that child and to take responsibility for me, the adult, which in my life is introducing the adult for the first time. And so what you're describing is the same thing. You're describing introducing the parent. So it's interesting because now that you've been able to parent yourself, how is that affecting, I know you're a father, how is that affecting your parenting? I mean, it, it's it's... Sobriety and these practices are the crux of why I'm able to be a good dad because like right now he's in a hardcore mama phase and my <laughs> wife is like a full-time mommy even though she still works and he's also just a hardcore mama's boy. He loves dada and as soon as I walk in the room he's like dada but anytime I'm in the room near mommy he's like get out. <laughs> <laughs> so like literally I'll try to give him a bath. This, this is just a phase that a lot of boys go through, and I'm sure some girls too, but like I'm giving him a bath, and if mama's in the house, like if, if she's gone and I'm putting him to bed, he's happy as a clam, but if she's in the next room, he's screaming, looking me in the face with like rage, going, <laughs> mama, mama. You know, and if I hadn't reconciled any of that stuff and don't still continue to do that work, I would take it personally. It has nothing to do with me. This kid loves me. I'm the second most important person in his life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and like now I just 
most of the time I can just like, I'll joke around. Like I'll walk in in the morning if she's woken him up and is starting to feed him and he looks at me, points to like go away because he doesn't want me to hug and kiss mama. He's in that little (laughs) Oedipal phase, right? He's like 19 months. He's like, no, it's my mama. Don't kiss mama. And so he points in the other room and I, so I'll joke around. I'll like run behind a pillar here. And, he, and he'll be like, uh, I'll like farther. And you say, yeah, you know, like, and then it be, and then we're just playing around and having fun. And then I can come in and kiss mom. And he's not like losing his mind. So it just brings like, and even with my wife, like we're finally working through a lot of stuff. That's like most married couples. You're just working through your crap that your parents put in you. You know, there's that whole saying of like your, your family pushes your buttons cause they installed them. And it's like so much of what I'm learning is that, and, and I'm getting my license to be, uh, marriage and family therapist, it's all just like unpacking what we're not even aware of. Yeah. Our whole template for life is from our parents and That's then right. we reenact them. And if we're not aware, it's just going to keep happening. That's so right. my wife and I are trying to uncouple that and just be present with who we are now today, not the story of us two years ago. Yeah. So what I hear, which is what I believe, and it's been my experience, is that this practice of meditation for you and this journey that you've been in about taking responsibility for all things you has not only helped you, but it's now it's starting to help the people around you because it informs how you behave in the world and how you react with everyone. I mean, interact with everyone. And that's imperfectly. very, very... Huh? <laughs> imperfectly. Imperfectly. But that is the... I mean, this whole... That we can do a whole episode on perfection, of course, of which course. doesn't exist. But I'm just saying I'm not... I just want, I want to make clear to anybody listening out there, I have days where... I'm. You know, my wife thinks I'm being a little bit of an asshole. And there's days where I'm just, you know, got my grumpy pants on. But for the most part, it's been a revolutionary change of mind and body from, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Absolutely. One of the things that I harp on over and over again, pretty much in every episode, that it's not so much about like getting rid of everything and being this like kumbaya person. It's about recognizing when I fuck up or I make a mistake and be able to address that and change it right away. To be in the awareness is the whole key. And so meditation for me and obviously for you is very much about being in the awareness of self, which is about creating space because like creating space, you don't boom. Something, you get hurt, something in, you're not, bam. Usually there's some space before you, and you may, I may express it, but hopefully it comes out much more mindfully. And the few times it does come out, bam, I usually apologize pretty quick. Exactly. And that's the whole point. It's like, I'm, like you said, we are imperfect yeah, beings. Yeah. Thank God we are. Who the hell wants to be perfect? But there's one thing that I want to, I want to talk, you said so much and I'm, and this is so amazing, but, um, I want to talk a little bit about your experience with depression yes. and how meditation has really played a, a, a very important role in your life. And what I want to preface this by saying to our listeners is that what we're talking about now is Daniel's experience, which is powerful and absolutely the right experience for him. In no way are we suggesting that this is the answer to anything. We are never here to suggest that this is the answer for anything. We're here to offer you our experience and the tools that we use to get there for you to do with them as you will. But his experience with depression and moving away from that through meditation, it's really powerful. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It's it's a big stew of working through it with sobriety, with therapy, on and off antidepressants, and eventually, finally culminating in being able to be completely off them, which was a, a goal for a long time for me. And I do not think... I have, I have zero opinion on anybody else's medication situation. 
it, it really helped me at a time where I don't know that I would have survived without it. And um, I have no opinion on that for you because I have no idea what your life is. But for me, there was a sense of it gave me at least some ground to stand on. And this is while I'm sober and doing all that work in sobriety. And while I have a, a meditation practice that is deepening. Um, but there was a felt, I finally felt strong enough to try slowly with the help of um, the doctor who prescribed it to get off. And I did it through my meditation practice, but I also took a course called Mindful-Based Com- um, Cognitive Therapy, MBCT, which was created um, to, through mindfulness, address depression and anxiety. And it's this, <laughs> and I felt so dumb taking this course because having a, a steady practice, I felt so dumb because I started taking it and all it was was Buddhism for dummies. <laughs> but my wife will attest, like, she's like, wow, you, something's really changing because it brought mm. me back to the basics. It brought me back to the body scan. It brought me back to loving kindness. It brought, it just reminded again, but it also, you would do a lot of writing of like, when these thoughts come up, how do you address them? And to do just two minutes, three minutes, when these things came up, like so in the middle of work, turning off the computer, sitting down, and then doing a little loving kindness for just a few minutes, like really addressing it as it comes up. And the body scan, when I'm getting old, especially in front of computers and trying to do sales and all this stuff that's just like, oh, you're so tired. And just lying down and doing a body scan that anybody can do. It's free on YouTube. I can point in a million different directions for free ways to have guided versions of these things. But just put me back in my body and feel alive again and just back in the present moment, not worrying about what I need to do and beating myself up about the past. And for me, I'm more prone to the past in terms of depression. I have anxiety, depression, go together like (laughs) peanut butter and jelly, unfortunately. Um, But depression, for me, has mostly been about relitigating all the ways I screwed up in the past. Mm. Yeah, it's so powerful because I've known I've known Daniel for about what fourteen years now, and so I have definitely seen his journey, which is the reason why he's sitting here today. And I have seen this amazing, amazing shift in his being and in his peace and in his awareness and his relationship with others. And his relationship with Cell. So that's why I'm very interested in him telling us his journey and his story and his tools because I have seen firsthand that it works for him. So this is this is really, really powerful stuff, uh, Daniel. Is there anything that you want to tell us that you haven't told us that you think it's important for the listener I, to I hear? Just, I just want to make it very clear about the heart practices. They're all free. They're all guided. And I'll just say a few at the end of this podcast where to go for these free ones. But the loving kindness is for like self-hatred. But compassion, the com- guided compassion ones are for when you when you're so angry at yourself, like to just start with compassion before even getting to loving kindness. So you do the compassion for yourself, or if you're really angry at somebody else, you work towards yourself and then compassion for others, you know, loving kindness you do for yourself, but then you, or if you can't do that, you start with somebody that you have no problem with my son, your dog, whatever. Then you work towards a benefactor. Then you work with yourself. Then you work with a good friend. Then somebody who's a friend, but eh, maybe you got a little something. Then down the road, once you've built up these muscles, then you work to people really bug the crap out of you. But then there's equanimity practice for when it's not, you want to fix somebody, but you can't, and you're powerless, and that's their karma. you got to let that go. So those those guided practices. So there's all these different, and body scans for when you're just 
mentally and physically exhausted and you can't sit up and try to do your breath. It's too exhausting. Lie down, do a body scan. There's all these different practices. So I want to make it clear that like, you don't have to be a Buddhist. Uh, you know, when I go, I go on all these Vipassana retreats and I could go on forever. Those are what really rock the door open for me. These 10 day silent retreats where I've, um, it sounds terrifying, but I have the last three, four days of every one of these retreats I go on, I am higher than I've ever been on any heroic dose of psilocybin. I am walking around uncaused by any job, any love, like new relation, no, 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 no stimulus except doing the instruction. And I'm walking around high as a kite. So I'm, that is possible too. But I just want to make it clear. There's, there's like this, this, uh, ginormous toolkit to deal with any kind of weird emotion or uncomfortable feeling that arises. This is a great segue because, uh, first of all, I want to say that I have seen you come back from those retreats and you are a different person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they were. And it, and and it I, takes pain to get there, but I have it's to tell like you, the high is, the juice is worth the squeeze. And you know? I got to tell you, watching you and your experience is why I'm considering doing like a two to three day like a baby step one, because I, I know how powerful it is. Well, and I'm, I'm, well my I'm teacher is there. doing a four-day men's only in the, in the snowy mountains in um, New Mexico in March. Well, we're going to talk about that, you and I, yeah. privately. But okay. um, <laughs> So one of the things that we do, Daniel, one of the things that I do in every episode is that I invite the listener to do something. I offer yeah. them an assignment for the week. Yeah. And so is there anything you want to offer our listeners, anything you want to invite them to do for the week that they can try start? one guided one that already excites you a little bit or piques your interest. So for a body scan, my favorite is John Kabat-Zinn who created mindful-based stress reduction. If you go on YouTube and you go to John Kabat-Zinn body scan, there's a picture of a Buddha head, like a stone statue. That's my favorite one to do body scan free. Try it out if you don't want to do any work. Do you want to spell that name? Because that sounds... J-O-N-K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N. He's a very uh, famous... I think he's a... I'm pretty sure he's a scientist. And he created the Mindful-Based Stress Reduction for doctors and nurses. But really, it's just Buddhism for dummies. It's like simplified Buddhism without the religion. And and But the body scan is genius. If you like... It just seems too overwhelming. Start there, you know. Um, if you want to play, like do some creative, like loving kindness, look up Meta Meditation, M-E-T-T-A. My personal teacher is Vinny Ferraro. You can go to vinnyferraro.org. He's a genius. He's amazing. Um, and he's just funny too, which I need some levity when I'm doing this crap because it can get so hard, especially when you're new. Um, where I study and the four whole strain of Buddhism that I practice, um, you can find every teacher that has ever taught for free on um, dharmaseed.org or dharmaseed, the app, D-H-A-R-M-A, seed. The app is free, and you go there, and you look up, uh, you can type in anything. So meta, loving kindness, judgment, resentment, and there's going to be a talk or a guided meditation that comes up that will guide you through that. The best one for like short ones, if you want a woman, Tara Brock, who wrote the book called Radical Acceptance. Um, she has these amazing five to 15 minute guided meditations. Jack Cornfield, the OG, my, my teacher's teacher, he has a hundred for free. Just, to, just drop uh, Dharma Seed in your phone 
and and you can listen to the the Dharma talks about anything you're worrying about. There's like one on veganism for the one teacher who's vegan. There's one on climate change. Whatever you're struggling with, they bring this philosophy to, and there's all these guided practices. So make it fun because if it's rigid and boring and dry, you're not going to do it. Well, this is amazing, Daniel. And uh, Daniel is giving us a lot, a lot of options. Sorry, and I'm, all I'm, of the I'm throwing a, a shotgun out there, but like, you know. No, 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 no. Daniel has given us a lot of options, and all of these options will be on the on the link, so you can actually have access to them. Uh, and Daniel is inviting you to just start with like a five, 10 minutes, whatever is comfortable for you. Just give it a shot. Just give it a try and see where it goes because we all have to start with the very first step. And the first step is curiosity, opening the door, putting your, thing, putting your foot, putting your toe in the water. Yes. What were you well, saying? no, I just wanted to say too, I didn't tell the whole journey, but like I started with, um, the, uh, transcendental. The Vedic meditation, um, but I just needed something that had an explanation for all of life. <laughs> so I went. I but that I've seen that transform people's lives. There's so I'm not. I don't want to say be a Buddhist or follow. You know, like when I'd go on these retreats, they say, "Don't be a Buddhist, ever. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about being a Buddhist. Be a Buddha." Oh, I love that. Be a Buddha. Be an example. Yeah. Don't don't be a Christian. Awesome. Be Christ or try to, for a moment. but you know what i mean so i don't care what you do for meditation but like because there's a gazillion different formats i just found with this one there's an underpinning philosophy that explains all of life that um is so satisfying because i can go as deep as i want to go with my intellectual mind as well as my heart and my body well that's amazing i actually have tried some of these i just recently tried the body scan that uh, Daniel was talking about, and it's very, very powerful. I had a wonderful experience, and I can't wait to do it again, maybe even tomorrow. Daniel, I just want to thank you so much. You are such a power of example to me in what it's like to really, really take responsibility for all things you and become a different man. And the man that you are today is one that I respect, admire, love. And so thank you so much for joining the Responsibility Revolution. Well, I just want to say I love you, Vincent. And for those Listeners, uh, I knew Vincent when I was not woken up, (laughs) and I was in a very sad, lonely, dark place, and he was one of the lights in my life, so it's just a long chain of, you know, pulling somebody else up, so thank you. Thank you, Daniel. We're mirroring each other. That's what happens. Thank you for listening to Responsibility Revolution. I hope you have enjoyed it, and I hope that you subscribe so you can receive it every Monday. Also, remember that Responsibility Revolution is a way of life that requires work. If you're interested in finding out more about the type of work we can do together on the corporate level on one-on-one, please feel free to contact me at theresponsibilityrevolution.com. I really look forward to hearing from you.